just bring some excitement to your heart about what God is at work doing in and through our missionaries and ministries around the world and right here locally as well. I see my friend Dina Merchant here in row three and some of those girls are girls that you've been ministering to through uh, Young Lives. It's beautiful to see them on the screen willing to share their story. I want to welcome you uh, here in the campus in Bethel but also online in New Milford, in Waterbury, and in Derby. It is it's so wonderful to be with you today and with my friends, Azara Jaj from Nazareth Evangelical College, and Geni Begu, and his wife Sunny is here as well with their son John, who has been ministering in Albania, Kosovo, and now in North Macedonia. These friends are here with me to share what it means for us to, to truly go and make disciples. We're looking at Matthew chapter 28. I've, it would have been kind of crazy not to look at the Great Commission when we're in the book of Matthew this year. We wanted to look at Jesus' final words in the book of Matthew and the power that is in them. We want to talk about what's happening around the world, but also we hope that it's going to drive home to us in our hearts and our lives. What is, how is the Lord asking us to go and to have an impact in our world? Um, I want to give you just a little bit of context to this passage that we're looking at today. But by starting by telling a story to you, um, when I started at Walnut Hill, it was full-time on staff in 1999, in the 90s, if you can believe it, and we, had, we didn't have this lovely sanctuary at the time. We had just the building that's behind me over here, and in the very corner of that building was where the youth room was situated. And we were excited to be in that space. You know, in 99, it was only a few years old, the building, and we had a youth room. In the past, we were in and out of rented facilities or people's basements, whatever we could find. And we had this, this space. And I was just recently, just a few weeks ago, down in that room for some reason. I can't even remember why. I hadn't been in it in a long time. It still kind of looks similar to what it did in, back in 99, but I tell you, being in that space brought back memories. You ever experienced that? You step into a place you haven't been in a while and the memories flood in. And here are some of the things that I remembered from that time in, those, in the 90s and early 2000s. I, could, I looked out, I stood there, I looked out, I could see places in the room where I had had the opportunity to, to pray to, with, one, with our kids to meet Jesus. I can remember a particular young lady named Kelly who gave herself to the Lord, surrendered to Jesus right in that room. I remember in that room, it was where we, we first had a, a, a Project Serve missions trip of middle school kids getting prepared to go to West Virginia in, that, in, the, in the summer of 2000. And I remember preparing that group of kids, sitting around together, coming up with a covenant of what it was going to look like for this team to work well together uh, as they served in West Virginia. There was, those were some of the good memories. Of course, there's some of those great middle school memories as well. You know, when I was coming to the main point of my message on a Tuesday night at youth group and Lewis broke wind really, really loudly in the front row, lost the moment in, the, in a moment. I wasn't sure if you'd laugh at that. I still like that kind of humor. I apologize. But, but, I, but it was amazing that memory came back to my mind as I stepped into that room. But also a really special moment. It was where a couple, Matt and Taylor, met each other. Matt and Taylor are now serving in Burlington, Vermont, uh, pastoring in a community up there. They met in that room. I just think back to all those times. You know, there's, there's times in scripture where we see the same thing happening. And we've talked about it a lot over the last few, few months. We've talked about this familiar place that we call Aramis Heights. 
It's a, it's a, it's a mountaintop place, and some things happen there. Let me just read the, the verse that comes just before the verses that we've read today. Verse 16 and 17, Matthew 28, it says, Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. And I believe this mountain is this place called Aramis Heights. It's the place where Jesus had taught them to pray. It was the place where Jesus retreated to go pray himself. It was the place, if you remember the story that Brian told last week of coming out onto the water, where Peter came out into the water, it was the place where Jesus likely was praying when he saw them struggling out on the Sea of Galilee, and he walked to them on the water, and he called Peter to himself. It was a special, special place. It's where he fed the 5,000, and he taught that wonderful Sermon on the Mount. And they gathered in this place, this familiar place. And can you imagine the flood of emotions and experiences and thoughts that came back into their hearts and minds as they stood, the 11 of them, on that place with Jesus where all those things had happened. And now Jesus was coming to launch a new mission, a new and exciting mission. I'm sure it was a bit frightening to them as well, but it was, it was new and it was clear. He was calling them to it. And so as they looked out, I'm going to show you a picture of of that spot where I, was, I got a chance to stand there just this past year and look out over the Sea of Galilee. The direction I'm looking at in this photo is towards, um, across the lake, on the other side to the Decapolis, a place w- which was almost entirely Gentile, meaning entirely not believers in, God, in Yahweh, the God of the universe. And I believe Jesus was pointing to that place pointing to that place and those places around the world where those people would go and those that they represented would go and make a difference. To Jerusalem, to Judea, to Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, which as it says in Acts 1.8. But what does this great commission, what does this powerful passage have to do with us today? Because it extends to us through those original 11 disciples, it extends to us. There's, there's something here for us today. What have we been called to be and to do? These aren't just lovely words from the past. These are our great commission, a commission for us. Our Church in Action values, the things that we really focus on in Church in Action, are reaching out to the most vulnerable. You saw that in the little video from Gita, reaching out to those orphans, some of the most vulnerable in our world coming alongside the indigenous church. We've got so many stories of coming alongside the church around the world, equipping leaders for the church. We wanna see Christian leaders have impact locally and globally. And also, and really where we wanna focus today, sharing Jesus where few know him. And increasingly, few know him even in our own backyard. There's an opportunity right here amongst us As my friends come to challenge us to go today, let me just read the passage again that they're going to be preaching from. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age." So I want to invite my friend Genny. Genny and I have known each other for many years now, Genny. 15 years, I believe. And I was over in Macedonia with Genny and Sonny not long ago, dreaming about the day when they would some move to this ta- little town of Struga. There's, there on the map, you'll see where it is. 
and begin a mission sending center there. They're there already. Praise the Lord. He's brought you there. And as a church, we've been able to help them make this, this transition and shift. And Genny, we want you to know we pray for you. Thank you. And we love you so much. And I'm so excited for you to come and share from this passage, which I know means much to you. And I know you've got much to say about it. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you all. I've had so many opportunities to meet people that uh, have never heard about Jesus. Muslims from Albania, from Turkey, from Macedonia, from Kosovo, from Bosnia-Herzegovina. Recently, I, I, I had a chance to meet Muslims from Bangladesh, Pakistan, Afghanistan, Tajikistan, Turkmenistan, Saudi Arabia, Qatar. And when you see these people, uh, you are grabbed by the compassion of God for the lost. And... Uh, you know, when, when Jesus saw the crowds, the Bible says that he had compassion for them. So here's a view of a God who, when he sees people, and he, he doesn't see people simply like as a large crowd, but in that crowd he sees individual by individual by individual. And so, in that picture that the gospel gives us, we, the heart of God is revealed to us. Here we have a God who, who so loves the ones who are lost. He, he comes down. He, he lays his life down. For, he has compassion for them. And because he sees them that they are out of reach, they, they've le left his home he lay down, lays down his life for them. So I'd like us to think about the Great Commission, the going, to see the heart of God in this commission that the, the Lord has given us. See, we sang earlier about being satisfied with Jesus. And one, one of the challenges we have is that Sometimes we are so satisfied that we end there. But I would like to suggest that the people who are most satisfied with Jesus Christ, they are the people who, when they see the lost, they're like, how can we like not reach them? Because they're not satisfied. They don't know King Jesus. And so, the more we fall in love with the person of Jesus Christ as a church, the more we get his heart for them. Now, one of the misunderstandings we have about the Great Commission to go is that we disengage that command to go by the person who gave us the command, Jesus Christ. Now, I'd like to suggest to you that we don't lay our lives down as we go for them. Jesus Christ has laid his life down for them. He has already done it. We lay our lives down for him. Amen. See, it is the love of Jesus Christ that has compelled us 
This is what Paul says. It compels us. When we hear, when we see Jesus Christ calling us to go and reach those that are not reached with the gospel of Jesus, the love of Jesus compels us, and we lay our, our lives down for him. Why? Because he laid his life down for them. See, it is not we that save the people. It is we that bear witness. We testify of who Jesus Christ is and what Jesus Christ has already accomplished on the cross for them. So I'd like to suggest to us that the going begins with who God is. Because time and again, what we see in the Bible, we see a God who is constantly going. We see a God who is constantly reaching out. In the book of Isaiah, we have a picture where God says, I was looking for a man. Here's, here's, the, here's the picture in, in, the, in the prophet Isaiah. I was looking for one man. God speaks, and he says, I'm looking, I was looking for one man. Prophet Ezekiel says the same thing. God is saying, I was looking for one man who could rebuild the walls. I was looking for one man who could intercede. But God says, I found none. Now listen. Now God decides to step in. Okay? And he comes down to us in the person of Jesus Christ. You see, unless we are wrapped in a God who has gone, in a God who has come down for us, we are not going to get the idea of going. See, we cannot go unless we are sent. And when we are sent, we cannot stay. Do you, do you get the point? So, we, do you remember in the book of John, chapter 20, Jesus encounters his disciples who are like overcome by fear and uncertainty. And Jesus appears to them and he says to them, peace, he gives them his shalom. And remember, he says to them, peace I give unto you. Now, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. You see, in the Great Commission, we find and we meet a God of love, a God of compassion, a God who has laid down his life for us and the world. And therefore, our going, brothers and sisters, is only a response it's only a response to the one who sends us out in his power, who promises to sustain us in the process. You see, sometimes when we see, like Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. When we see the crowds, when we see so many unreached people, when we pray for the nations, when we pray for North Korea, when we pray for Iran, when we pray for Turkey, Syria, Muslims in Macedonia, sometimes we are overcome but we can be overcome by despair because the task is so overwhelming. I will say, God, what can we do? And he says, all I want you to do is, will you lay down your life? 
Because as you lay down your life for me, I will show myself to be faithful to you and to the people that you're trying to reach. You see, this, this is what we're doing. I mean, your resources, your prayers, you know, they're like moving the hand of God. And, you know, they're making a difference. Friends, we are here in the kingdom business. We want to reach the unreached. We want to reach those whom God loves and whom God, you know, laid his life for. So we go because we are sent. Jesus told his disciples, come and follow me. Come and follow me. So the first aspect of going is learning to follow Jesus Christ. And then Jesus says, I will make you, I will make you fishers of men. I will send you out. Now I'd like to, to think for one moment the Great Commission's Commission in Matthew 28, it's not an invention, okay? It's not an invention. It's not finally like God woke up from his sleep and finally like he came up with his plan. Hey, hey my friends, hey church, would you go? No, no, this is the biblical. We have a, a view of the God who throughout history, he has shown himself to be the God of compassion who's reaching out. Now, in Matthew 10, Jesus already sends out his disciples. You might have heard many people point out that the imperative in this passage is not the going, right? You might have heard that. But it's in making disciples, right? Do you remember? That is the imperative. Make disciples. The going is taken for granted in the passage. Why is Jesus not like commanding them? Why, why isn't he framing the command in an imperative way? Well, think with me, because he has already done so. In Matthew 10, he says, you see the lost sheep of Israel? I'm sending you, therefore go. But he said at that point, do not go. Go to the sheep of Israel, but do not go to the nations. Now, in Matthew 28, Jesus is unpacking what he has already revealed to them. His heart for the nations. The time hadn't come yet in Matthew 10 because Jesus hadn't gone to the cross. He hadn't yet gone to the cross, but in Matthew 28, brothers and sisters, he had laid down his life. He had gone to the cross, he had been risen again. He laid his life down. Not just for the sheep of Israel, for all the nations. Now see, he's unpacking, you know, in, in Matthew 28. Both his love, both who he is, and his heart of compassion for all the nations. Mm -hmm. Now go to all the nations. I've already sent you in Matthew 10 to the lost sheep of Israel. Now the cross has taken place. I'm the resurrected Messiah. Go in my power, go in my presence, and reach all the nations with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Good morning, everyone. 
Um, it's a great privilege to be with you, and thank you, Jenny, for this powerful message about going. Um, as I was thinking about sharing, and I'm sharing about um, the second part of this commission to teach, I just remembered uh, the way God opened our our eyes in, in his word. And I was reflecting on the, on the book of Matthew and looked at the first chapter where Matthew starts his gospel. And it's in, I think, verse 23. In the first chapter of Matthew, he speaks about with Joseph there. The gospel of Matthew starts with the, this great news that the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. This is the, the first opening, the first part of the story of Jesus that we read in the Gospel of Matthew. And Matthew, I mean, in, in, in that time, you know, many people could say any words, you know, we could say that anything about any person, but Matthew, in all of his gospel, is trying to show us that this person is really, God is with us. And when we read the gospel, we see and the life of Jesus and the gospel, starting from his childhood, starting from his um, baptism and his, his, the trail that he has with, with, with Satan, and, and going through the, all of his life, we see that indeed God is incarnated. God is with us. And we, sa- we see that with his teaching with his powerful teaching at the Sermon of the Mount. We see that with his healing. We see that with his compassion. We see his, that with his devotion to, to raise and equip his, his disciples. And I was sharing about, uh, I, love, I love Galilee. I love Galilee. And I said, and Jesus stayed in, in Galilee most of his life, of course. And uh, when he moved from Nazareth and went to the, um, the surrounding area of the Sea of Galilee, Jesus had different spots there. And I call them different names. I call one of these spots the, his chapel. It's where he went to the mountain to pray. And I think it's, very, it's a place where Craig showed the photo from. This was his place of, has a place to, that he's, he sits and has time with God. With, his, with the father. But also he did not forget about the work. He went down and, and he, I, I, will, I will call it his hospital, Capernaum, where he met the, the needy people, the sick people, and he served them with compassion and he healed them. But he also did not forget that his disciples need to be trained. And he has a place that I call it his the school of Jesus, Peter's premise, where, where he met the disciples and, and taught them. So when Jesus comes, when Matthew shared with us what Jesus was speaking in the end of his um, uh, life or uh, on earth before his, he, he went up to heaven, he was not uh, speaking about things that Jesus did not do. Actually, Jesus gave the great examples. He, he went to the people. He was there for the people. He cared for the people. He... He comforted them. He healed them. He taught the people. And 
Jesus then telling his disciples to be like him. He's not asking them something that they never saw. He's asking, he's asking his disciples to carry the same mission that he had from the Father. To go and make disciples. And usually when we, when we think about disciples or, or, or this great commission, I would call it, we always, in general, we think about sharing the good news. By all means, yes, it does mean that we, we need to share the good news. But it's not only sharing the good news, it's also teaching the, the, an integral part of the, the great commandment. It's also sharing the good news, but equipping others that they will also carry this great commission and be part of blessing others. And, and Jesus actually, or Matthew writes, quotes Jesus, he started his gospel with saying, Emmanuel, God with us. And he showed us the life of Jesus and he is ending his gospel saying, it was Jesus saying, and I am with you until the end of the earth. So God is with us as we're going. We're not going by our wisdom. We're not going by our strengths. We're going with the strengths of the Holy Spirit that God put in our lives. And when I look at the, the first church, and of course this church with the, with the apostles there, with the, with the, with the followers of Jesus, they, what they did, they, after, after Jesus' ascension and uh, the, the Holy Spirit came and dwelt in them, they went and, and, and sure, they went. But then, I, I love one of the stories I love very much in the book of Acts, in Acts, in the, in Acts 19, when, when it tells us that Paul stayed in, in a house of Tyran, Tyrannos for two years. Discussing and teaching. I would call it, Paul opened a Bible college in this house. And, and, and the word of God says that until all Asia heard the word of God. And I don't think that all Asia came to the house of Tyrannus there and heard it. It was, Paul was teaching the people and sending them. And they were sharing the good news and teaching the believers so these two components of going and sharing and teaching, it's, it's our duty of the church. It's the duty of the church. I'm sure that none of you know this story that I'm going to tell you about. But 200 years, 1823, two people arrived to the port of Jaffa. They were sent. They were the first evangelical missionaries sent from New England, not from, the, they are the first evangelical missionary ever arriving to the country to share the good news with the Muslims and Jews and Christians. They were from New England. Two hundred years, two, hundred, two, two difficult hundred years passed on our regions. Not big achievements. Not big revivals, but after 200 years, I look around in my context, and I see that the major fruit of these people 
we're teaching and equipping leaders. We as small group of evangelicals, and maybe smaller as a Bible college in Nazareth, we started with focusing on a small group of Christians that we're working with. But God started opening doors for us. And I start seeing that the, the prayers, the investments, the, the, the work of hundreds of missionaries was not for vain. They thought about our world, about the Muslim world, in the Middle East. Maybe they did not see the fruits, but they were the people of moving the stones from the land and equipping the land for the harvest to come. I don't know if we can see some of the photos here. These are people, Muslim people, refugees, that running from the war, but meeting Christ, opening their houses for, for the word of God. And when we offered them to teach to equip the leaders, they brought all the family, actually. We were thinking about the leaders, but they said, well, all the family, this in Greece. And this is online. God is opening. God is in, in work. God is doing great things in our world today, and especially in our region, whether in Eastern Europe or in the Middle East. What, what we called a closed door for the gospel for many years, it's now an open door for the gospel. We're sitting as a first century group here on the, on the floor, eating with these lovely, lovely people who love the Lord. None of them from a Christian background. These are the people that the, pray, the church prayed for 200 years for them. We're reaping the fruits of your prayers, of your support, of your, of your love. Yes, we want to go and share the word of God. We want to fulfill the Great Commission also by teaching, and that's what we're doing back home. But I want to conclude with saying, this is not enough. We should do that. Not enough only to go. Not enough is to, 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 um, to uh, apply or to uh, fulfill the Great Commission. We should do that with having the Great Commandments also in our hearts. And this, what, what motivates us to go is that we love our Lord from all our hearts. And we love our neighbors as we love ourselves. Without this, we cannot share the gospel to anyone. I urge you to do that in your context. As you're living and serving here, and remember us as we're serving in, in challenging areas that we will fulfill, that we all together fulfill God's calling as a church, as a body of Christ, whether here or other places in the world, by sharing the good news, equipping and teaching the people, sending them that they will continue the life of the church as we are doing right now. May God bless all of you. Thank you, Thank you. Thank you. I think you can understand why we invited these two guests to this, on this special week. We wanted you to be, to be inspired, but also equipped uh, and sent out, in a sense, to wherever it is that the Lord is taking you. You enter into a context that I can't go into tomorrow. 
because I'm not, that's not my place of work or my, the place that God's placed me, but he's put me in a place where I'm meant to go. He's called us all into different opportunities that he has for us. And I really do hope that you'll feel encouraged to go to the Lord and say, Lord, where are my opportunities to go? Where are my opportunities to share what I've experienced through you, Jesus? I don't lay down my life. You've already laid down your life for me. I'm just testifying to it. Maybe you have opportunities to teach and train and lead the next generation or invest in people who need to know the good news and be able to share it themselves. There are many opportunities right here in the life of Walnut Hill, but also outside in our communities as well. I encourage you to come and talk and pray and, and discover what the Lord has for you. I want to just wrap up with some of the good news of this past year when it comes to church in action and also challenge us in this next year as we look forward. So let me share some of the incredible good news of this past year. And you'll see here on the screen a few of the, the stats that I think really capture what's happened this year. First is this. Last year we, we asked you to pledge, as Brian asked early, earlier, and 175 people turned in pledge cards or went online and pledged as, a, as compared to 93 the year before. So what an incredible increase. The largest increase in one year we have ever seen as far as I've been here. And I've been here since 1999, so that's a long time. So praise the Lord for that. Wonderful. Thank you to so many of you who stepped in for the first time. And I ch want to challenge you again. Step in, if you haven't yet, to the, for the first time. It is so, it's not so much about how much you give. It's just about being a part of it. Because when you give, you're going to pray. And when you pray, you're going to feel connected to what God is doing here in our backyard and around the world. Secondly, we did increase our giving from $550,000 to $600,000, which was last year's goal. So praise the Lord. You helped us do that last year. Wonderful. We received a matching gift last year of $600,000, which gave us the ability this year to give away over a million dollars outside of ourselves. Over a million dollars. I've been wanting to say that for years, and we were able to say it this year for the first time in many, many years. So praise the Lord for that. Yes. We were able to provide support with some, a few short-term trips, which we'll be looking to do again this year, and those revolve around the requests that we get from our partners around the world and locally. Um, we supported 12 special projects through that matching fund, which I will share some of those with you over the course of the next year. And we consistently fed over 1,200 families a month through our food pantries here in Bethel and in Derby. Well done, Derby. Thank you for your hard work down there. Wonderful news. And re more recently, it's been up to 1,500 families a month. So it's been incredible. Thank you for your service there. And with the donations and commitment of food to the food pantry, we actually gave, up close, gave away close to $2 million this year with, which, with the inclusion of the food pantry. So praise the Lord for all of that. Now, what's the challenge for this next year? I want to see that 175 pledges increase this year. And that will take you deciding to step in and, and make a pledge. It also will take those of you who have done it year after year to do it again. <laughs> so if you've pledged every year, go online, make that pledge, take the card that we gave you, bring it back next week, either way, whatever works for you. And if you're thinking about getting involved, I want to implore you, get involved this year by giving. Secondly, we are on a trajectory to be giving away outside of Walnut Hill $750,000 per year by 2025. We want to increase by 50,000 each year. So this year, our goal is $650,000 given to Church in Action that we might give that amount away this year. 
We want to continue to find exciting projects to support with matching funds from that we have not distributed all of those funds yet. And we want to look for strategic trips this year, as I mentioned. We'll have some more opportunities. And we want to find, we want to help you find a local opportunity to serve within, whether that's a food pantry, whether that's at Hopeline, Jericho Partnership, Acts 4 in Waterbury. There's lots of places to serve. There's lots of opportunities for mentoring and investing in people. Please search us out, look online. We've got lots of resources available. We love to see you serve this year in a new way. And we want to continue to serve our local community through our food pantries. And here's some incredibly good news, if that's not good news enough. This year, again, we have matching funds up to $650,000 for this year. So every dollar you give is doubled again this year. So praise the Lord. We have the opportunity to give away $1.3 million next year. So I hope it motivates you to get involved. That, that gift from those who are giving that matching fund is, they, 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 they did it with this in mind. We want, to, we want to motivate the church to want to give to the church around the world. And I think it's done it for us. May it do it again this year. So how do I want to close you? I want to close you with three things. Pray. Pray. How many times did you hear Genny say, pray? How many times did Azar say, pray? How many times do you hear us say, our partners need prayer. I know for a fact Genny and Sonny are stepping into a place where there are very, very few Christians. They're stepping into um, religious Muslim communities, groups of Albanians who are now in Macedonia because of all the wars that have happened and the borders changing. It's, it's, a, it's a tough and at times dark environment that they step into, they, and they're bringing the light of Christ. Friends, pray for our partners. Pray that the gospel will be shared. My friend Azar is working with, with, with folks who are, step, who are being trained through Nazareth Evangelical College to go into communities where they will, be in a, they will be a tiny minority of evangelical Christians trying to spread the good news. And these, these are just two of our partners. When you look through that prayer guide, I have one here, please pray through this this year. Every day, pick a partner, pray through in your first 20, it's so important that we be a praying church when it comes to these opportunities. Secondly, serve. Find a place to serve. Inside the church, outside the church, serve. The Lord has given you gifts. The Lord has given you abilities. The Lord has given you experiences. He wants you to use him, use those for his kingdom, for the sake of his kingdom. Find a place. Don't wait. What are you waiting for? Find a place to serve. And then finally, give. Go home, pray. Lord, what would you have me do this year? Friends, when you do that, he often challenges you beyond what you thought he would. <laughs> and then he provides, because that's the kind of God that we serve. But pray and say, Lord, what am I to give this year? Remember, this is an offering. It's above our tithes. You have to distinguish between your regular giving to church in action. We do this purposefully because we want to be able to freely give an offering that we can then give really just about every dollar of it outside of our walls. We're going to close our service, but I want to just, uh, I want to pray for my brothers and pray for our, our partners this morning, but I want to ask you to stand with us as we pray. And if you, if you would, if you feel comfortable, maybe just put your hand out towards these partners, and if you don't feel comfortable do that, do it in your mind at least, because we want to reach out to these friends and lay our hands upon them and encourage them 
and ask the Lord's blessing upon them. Lord Jesus, I am so grateful for these friends of mine because they are friends of mine. I've just gotten to spend wonderful time with them. I've seen them in action. I've seen the way that they cry out to you day in and day out for the sake of your kingdom. They, 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 they are desperate, as Becca started us out this, 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 uh, this morning, they are desperate for you, Jesus, to move and work. And Lord, there's times when they can be discouraged. There's times when they can feel alone. I want to pray, Lord, that you would, they would always know that they, there's a church here in Connecticut lifting them up in prayer. There's a committed body that's praying for them. And I know we're just part of that team of prayer warriors. And I pray, God, they would feel the camaraderie and the sense of the body of Christ in action. And Lord, I pray that you would do mighty works in the regions that you've placed them, in the Balkans, in the Middle East. These are places where we know you have great things to do, and yet these are hard places at times. They're plowing in hard ground, and we pray, Lord, that you will remove the stones and allow them to find the fertile soil and see your hand at work, that they might see many come to know you. They might might be able to train many for the sake of your gospel. And Lord, that we, in our generation, would be able to see some of the mighty work of revival in these communities. We pray for it here. We pray for it there. We pray for it in the places that we we represent through all the ministries that you've called us to support. We ask you, God, in the name of Jesus, that you would do mighty and miraculous things in Jesus' name.